Welcome to our podcast, Revival in Jesus' Way. Disciple making is Jesus' way to change the world. This is the one mission that his people should focus on. There is only one way, his way, to create lasting transformation. And God is calling his church to wake up. I'm your host, Tim Cahill. And I am Yin Yan Xu. So hello, everyone. Back after kind of a decent break, um, I was at sea, particularly kind of tough underway this time, going out and finally back and able to uh, talk with all of you and talk with Anne while Anne stayed home and kind of took care of the home. So really glad to, to be back and to get to settle down a little bit. Um, the first day back, I slept through the whole day, just um, getting back used to a normal uh, sleeping and being awake schedule. And I didn't complain and I didn't ask you up to do any housework Start. through um, really huge patience. <laughs> <laughs> so, so really, really during that time, uh, each time uh, the separation is uh, really a, a big task. Well, not a task. I mean, it's uh, for any marriage, you know, separation, it's a, a tough time for the marriage. So I think we, we did pretty well. I think really a big part, a fundamental part is um, both of us have been discipled. And even before our marriage, actually, each of us uh, individually was discipled by um, very great mentors. Mm. And uh, that really set the foundation because, well, because we, we would feel like any normal people, like right, lonely and uh, all that, and especially during the pandemic time when he's away, other than I remember one time grocery shopping, and then almost the, the whole time I um, spend time at home that I I pray to God that I um, will have the, you know, the, the, the passion for ministry and living and uh, how to uh, have uh, self-discipline, you know, to uh, use the time God gave to me wisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it is so important. And I think uh, one thing that really helps me is having gone through like life planning and things like that, too, with various mentors and people have really helped me think about how ministry fits into my life, how my work fits into my my whole life, how my marriage fits into my life and how all those things fit into God's plan and kind of walking through those things step by step with someone. I think it's really helped me and Anne really develop a good framework to be able to deal with these things. I always go back to that when I'm thinking through the different responsibilities I have and kind of thinking, what are those key verses that are really there to motivate us? You know, that the marriage is an example of Christ's love for the church. You know, go back to Ephesians 5 and think about that. And, and you know, what is the work of the military and why is that important in God's, um, in God's eyes? And need to go back to that to find the motivation in a way and also to to keep those things in my mind. You know, one thing I see a lot of people do at sea and, you know, I also hear about this with spouses at home and they um they kind of put the marriage to the side whenever they're away from each other. Um, and we see that also with Chinese couples, too, who when they spend time away from each other, because um, there's a lot of Chinese couples that. There's a kind of not tradition, but a, a way that happens a lot of times in families because they're so interested and in, um, everyone being productive. In different career, in different states, yeah, and, and making money. To upgrade the, the, the family. Yeah, upgrade the family, upgrade your life, take care of your 
you know, family and those things and do better by them. And they'll end up living in different cities and working in different cities so that they can do the kind of the best they can in their careers. But a lot of times they just put their marriage on hold. Kind of like it's not so important. The main thing is, or like for in the Navy example, like the main thing is what I'm doing at sea. You know, this is such a hard job. I can't think about my marriage and this at the same time. But actually that's a horrible thing for a marriage whenever you begin to put it to the side or you begin to put your relationship with God to this side. You you have to kind of maintain them in spite of that um, challenging environment. I always find that as a challenge when I'm underway. I know for my part um, is, you know, with a new schedule, new way things are working, I have to figure out when am I going to spend time with God? And then also, how can I really have time together with other believers while I'm underway? And a lot of times, um, especially with a smaller ship, you, you need to be the one who starts those kind of groups because otherwise it just um, it doesn't happen naturally for people to begin to meet together and really begin to pursue God together. Mm-hmm. And and to me, like come back to the to the marriage talk. We because we talk about in the previous episode, we have a goal for a Christian life. Mm-hmm. Being a Christian, there is a goal God set for us is to be like Christ. So when two people who who are growing into this goal, who who set their mind into this goal, then people can work together. When we have the same vision, when we have the same strong passion. Uh, one thing I realized that when, when I uh, was uh, when I was away from you is um, I asked God to give me some creative ways to get to know you better. Mm. Because guess what? Uh, I, I feel like God showed me, gave me inspirations to see, to, to listen to some books that, uh, to read some books that you, um, you read, I, I, I didn't. Um, kind of try to enter into your world because I have a little bit extra time because when you're away, I don't need to wash your clothes. And also, I maybe just need to uh, cook one time in several meals because I can have leftover. I have um, fewer dishes to wash. So, yeah, you, you know the picture. So mm-hmm. I begin to read the book like uh, God and Government and uh, the, the Journal of John Wesley. Mm. Like, and then I begin to think, like, when you read those books, what you were thinking. So I felt like really if I shift my perspective and I utilize those time better, I actually I deepened this love for you and deepened this understanding of you because the, the marriage is the process that God making us one and more and more get into each other's uh, mind, soul, and body, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, and and then when God gave me that inspiration, actually, guess what? I I uh, it turned my kind of self pity into joy, mm. and then I have much to share with you. Like when you come home, I kind of stored many uh, kind of good news here and there to to share with you. Like, mm. see, I I read this book. Actually, it's it's you know it's so good, and I see things from different perspective and mm. even this time actually well it's a joke but even this time I when you come back home and then the kitchen when I cooked the kitchen was a mess mm. actually and then I said oh see after several years marriage finally I become more like you because mm. that's how you when you cook you make a mess and I I I, I begin to be 
less particular and how do I say to be more light-minded about something not so important actually、mm. so we just laugh and <laughs>、mm. so、uh, today's episode we we are on episode nine actually and then the episode before that we talk about small groups we talk about that uh, uh, most church leaders put their hope for disciple making to small groups and small group leaders Mm. And we discussed how actually,、um, oftentimes disciple making hasn't happened in small groups yet. And then, so so last time it was like the case analysis, and this time it would be、uh, the solution as we promised.、Mm. So this time's title is how can small groups become disciple making communities?、Mm. And just for review,、um, quickly, we named several factors. That were present in Jesus's kind of small group, if you want to call it that, and、um, that aren't normally present in the modern day small groups.、Um, first, we talked about selection and how in Luke six we see that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. He prayed all night, and then he picked a certain twelve, certain twelve people instead of who he called apostles, and so he picked these specific twelve people. Out of the rest of them, and we talked about some of the reasons why in the modern small groups. We also see that there was a master disciple in Mark three fourteen. One of the after Jesus picked the twelve, one of the the reasons that he anointed them was so that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach.、Uh, and we so we see from this that there was a master disciple in Jesus, and. He was the one who was going to do things. Right, Matthew four nineteen said, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." So he was the one who was going to do these things. He was a discipler, and he was able to make them into these disciples. So he he was the that master discipler, and you don't normally see that with small groups because it's kind of like it's a a group of peers. A lot of times is what we want to create in the culture today.、Uh, we also see they had a clear goal. And I kind of brought up the cost of discipleship with this. That Jesus was always bringing up what they were doing, where they were, what was, and what the cost was going to be. And we see like this a lot in Luke nine when he's saying foxes have holes and birds have and heirs have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he tells this person who wants to go and bury his father, he says, "Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you." Come and proclaim the kingdom of God. So he said, he made the standard very clear. He he didn't wasn't ambiguous about it.、Um, and we often don't see that. We often see small groups kind of wishy-washy move from one study to another, but without really an overarching purpose and not really a focus in any of the individuals in that group's life to what does that person need next and where they're at spiritually. And then we see that they're missional. You know, Jesus was. Was praying in front of them, and they were saying, "Lord, teach us to pray." They were wanting to, to learn these skills. In Matthew 4:19, he was making them into fishers of men. That was the the purpose of it. And we see Jesus taking practical actions where he would train them, and then he would send them out in order to preach, in order to heal, and do those things. So there was this missional element in those small groups. Then there was a model, and we kind of just talked about this a little bit, but. Jesus was that master disciple. He was also a model, and so in John twelve twenty six, verse early, like he said, if anyone would serve me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. And so Jesus called his disciples to be like him, to observe him, 
observe the things he did, and to try to become more like him. And then finally, to Jesus, truth mattered. And so we see that he he warned them of false prophets. He warned them of people who would delude the truth. Um, He warned them that a, a a good tree will bear good fruit, a bad tree will bear bad fruit. And he was very specific about it. And so he he kind of called out those things that the disciples did. You know, when Peter said to Jesus, Lord, surely don't say that. Whenever he was talking about that he was going to die on the cross, he said, you know, get behind me, Satan. He was really quick to point out when there was something that was really not biblical, not according to the truth. Not of God. Even it's from his dearest, you know, followers, Mm. really close followers. Yeah. And so he had that focus and that connection to that the truth really mattered and so he was willing to call it out whenever the truth wasn't being proclaimed yeah and the reason we get into this this review of last episode is because actually it's obvious like how can a a, a modern small group um, turn into a jesus model uh, disciple making community Mm. if you compare to the the um the gap is you compare to the I mean the current situation and mm. the the desired model and what is in between and how you can close the gap. Mm, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the coaching oh, that's the coaching model. model. Yeah, and that's yeah, and it's true. It's just like in life things in the same way we want to look at it, you know, in someone's life, you know, you have a current reality, you have an intended future and you know, in between that gap, figure out how do we get from here to there. And so, yeah, we have to look at the intended future. We have to really look at the current reality, and then how do we get there? Yeah. So, so first, I want to I want to talk about the way that this transfers into the modern environment. So I want to like mention just some of these ways we can think about um, those things Jesus was doing specifically, and how it would look um, in a a kind of ideal group. And so. First, I would say the leaders need to be disciplers. They need to have been discipled and be discipling others. Two, there needs to be a shared vision among all the members of being disciples for Jesus. Like that needs to be why they're there. Um, Next is having a clear picture of a disciple. Like what is a disciple? People all kind of have this basic idea in common in their mind. They know what it means. They know what kind of the cost of it is. They know what they need to pursue. And so in that fellowship, there's a clearness of that. There needs to be a pathway of discipleship. So there need to be real agreed on points of what is the next step? What things need to be achieved in someone's life? One way that we kind of see that a little bit is like in the rule of life. Like we talked about that with John Wesley. He, he He had something like a rule of life whenever he would go different places with these different groups. Whenever he was on the ship and uh, his journal, he talked about that. They would do specific things every day. And that was kind of, it, they were specific things and they tied the group together yeah, about what a, it meant. They have a two uh, a specific accountability time each mm. day. Each mm. day, you know, golly brothers and sisters come up together and ask each other, hey, what, what, what did you do this morning? And then in the evening, what 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 did you accomplish this um this day this afternoon? And uh, whether whether your life is in check um as in the Christ-centered life, mm. you know that's very powerful. Mm. Think about person live that kind of life each day. 
how greatly that life would be used.、Mm. I'm just so excited because I I just posted his、um, schedule to to my Facebook and Instagram.、Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and <laughs> it was really、like. cool. Yeah, <laughs> to see it written out that way too. But they. But you see this with a lot of these groups where people really pursued Christ. Like William Wilberforce was also had a group like this, and they they wrote out those things. You know, obviously another example is the old monasteries. That's where the term rule of life comes from. Is a lot of these, like the Gregorian monasteries, all of, basically all of them. The person who founded that had a rule or a way of thinking. Certain things that everyone there needed to do or work towards doing. Um, and that was what it that w- would help them pursue Christ. So、um, in, in the same way, in a similar principle, like there has to be some kind of pathway, some kind of way of pursuing to growth, and it needs to be specific. So they have a pathway that is understood.、Uh, number five would be you need to have disciples within the group as well. So the leaders need to be disciples. You need to begin to have disciples within the group that are also discipling others. Within that group,、mm-hmm. number six is the promotion of the vision of disciple making. Continually, it's、um, and it's also built in as in the things in that group will be done in order to make disciples, in order to grow in discipling, in order to grow in being a disciple. So everything in the group is centered around that.、Mm-hmm. Would be point six.、Mm-hmm. Now that's. Zoom in even more to、uh, look at see the common case. The common cases we already have an existing small group,、mm. and、uh, it's not a disciple making community. How do I turn that small group into a disciple making community? So let's、um, uh, dive into some main points to to see what will we do in our ministry practice to to make this happen and. Uh, we say that to try to make this happen, it's not like God doesn't work. It's because it, it is God's will. It is.、Mm. It's Jesus Himself to say to make disciples. So, you know, we don't even need a second thinking. Like, let's pray whether it's God's will or not. It is God's will. So、mm. we will say that how we can work with God, you know, to to make this happen, and this should happen. Um. So so that so let's go back to the first big part is. Uh, because it says the leader, the leader needs to be a discipler.、Mm. So how that can happen?、Mm. The first most important thing is if see if in this scenario, like we we know a, a small group, and then、uh, that small group wants to be transformed step by step into a, a disciple making community, and then see we we meet this leader, and then I think we would first. Um, really interview that person to find out where that person is.、Uh, what what is that person's background? How much was that person discipled? And then from there to think how we can actually either coach that person or directly disciple that person to help that person to have an initial experience to be discipled. And in the meantime, when you disciple that person, you also Help that person to disciple others.、Mm. Uh, so because you want to create at least、uh, the one first、um, uh, discipler in that group, so that group has to start, right?、Mm, yeah, and I think、uh, this one point that I think is really important here is it takes a person to disciple a person, and I say that because 
a lot of times a curriculum alone, just giving a curriculum to that person who's going to be a leader or teaching it and to them in front of a class isn't going to work here. Yeah, or Make, a book. Yeah, or even a book, a good book. You know, I mean, is it like there? You know, there's a lot of books we've introduced so far here. Um, but none of those books, if you just give it to someone, is going to make them into a discipler. It really takes it. It takes the actual time of them being with someone who has discipled other people and kind of going through step by step, building into that that base, that foundation of truth, and then also building in disciplines mm-hmm. that help them to pursue God in their daily life, helping mm-hmm. them to think about their life in Christ and kind of organize that. And that's where the coaching piece I think is really helpful. And and then going and doing it with them, seeing another person share their faith, mm-hmm. seeing another person um, how they engage in fellowship, seeing another person how they um, go into the word or how they mm-hmm. pray, like actually doing those things with another person is not just like a, a nice step, it's a necessary step. Yeah, so it's a life-to-life, very detailed work. Mm-hmm. And there uh, I, mentioned, I mentioned about word uh, coaching, so uh, I am a certified coach through Navigators, um, a life and leadership coach. So uh, I mentioned about coaching. Sometimes with church leaders, we start from uh, coaching. And by the way, Tim will get his uh, certification soon. And yeah, and well, bo- both of us have, have been um, trained uh, in this life coaching for a little bit less than two years. Huh? Um, so the, the reason is, so coach, life coaching is to help some, someone to reach some goal um, to, uh, in some area, like for example, uh, it could be any area like career, marriage, and any area to, for Christians to align your plan with God's plan, to mm-hmm. help you different life aspects or ministry uh, as areas to align with God's plan. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes we start with coaching with leaders is because coaching uh, after half year or one year, it really helped that leaders to be able to um, live their life, catch the, the how do I say, uh, able to invest their life according to the priorities God set for them, God desire for them. So that person can really release the, the, their time to those really important things. You know, disciple making is very important. Marriage, family, and they will begin to have a Christ-centered, balanced life. Because, because sometimes, for, for some church leaders, they might have uh, emotional burden or uh, what um, emotional hurt, or they have uh, maybe a not very functioning marriage or something. But if that part not sort out, you know. It, 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 it's just they don't have the extra space for that. They, they know, like, okay, from your talking, wrestling with the truth, like, I know disciple-making is important. I just, you know, so so that's why sometimes we will start with the coaching and then transit to the um, disciple-making. But then for someone, we can directly start with um, disciple-making. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it really it really depends and and we have that certification it's just we really want one more tool in our belt that uh, we can uh, help others mm, that's right so um, we talked about the leader being a discipler and and how we kind of get to there I think a second major point is building the vision um, and we know the vision we've talked about the vision a few times uh, it's described in the Great Commission Another good verse, um, I think that's a good summary verse, is Colossians 1.28. 
which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone, to present everyone mature in Christ. And so the, the goal is maturity, right? That maturity matters, that maturity is important, that we are maturing and we're helping others to mature in Christ. So um, the the first part of that, the way that I've done it and I've seen it done is really um, there needs to be a vision casting is the first thing. And vision, what vision casting means, and this was shared with me by a, um, a leader of crew, actually, um, at the campus at Purdue uh, that we attended before. And he talked about this. At, at, and in crew, they're very, on campuses, they're very big on evangelism. That's um, very good. Yeah, and it's really good. It, it does deepen from what you see in a lot of groups. We think you need to go a step further, but it's very good. It's very cool how you see it with these crew small groups. They're doing evangelism. They're going out. They're centered around it. And, and the reason why, he said, is because they sit down and they do vision casting first, which is you sit down those main kind of leaders in the group who care about what happens in its direction. You sit down with them and you really talk through what is the main purpose of this group. And you get agreement. You need, you need to kind of ask those questions, gauge, in, in, gauge agreement, you know, talk with people and then present the case for what the vision is. You know, like I said, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And you start, you know, talking about, well, if we're supposed to teach them to observe all that I commanded you, if the goal is to be a full, mature Christian, how do we really help others to do this and begin to lay out these things mm-hmm. about what that means, about that this is our main goal, to make make disciples, to be disciples, and really lay that out so that it's clear among everyone and people mm-hmm. can begin to see that's what this group is about. Um, a second point is once you lay that vision, promote it uncompromisingly. You know, you, you've seen that at, at that point, and I think the thing you'll see that's cool there is that you will have a lot of agreement with what the truth is. Now, mm-hmm. people... You might see people leave later on, and I know I've, I've seen that, and you kind of have to just expect that because when you start to, people may agree up front and say, yes, that's what the truth says, but then once you start to really pursue that, um, some people aren't willing to commit to it. Some people will kind of fall off. Some people don't want to commit that much, and so you will see people kind of, when you commit to it uncompromisingly, when people come up with these other ideas like, hey, let's be about this. Let's be about this. Let's go and like serving the community, let's make that our main thing and let's get this together and do this together. And you're like, well, you know, that's good. That could be something we do. But our main goal is, you know, disciple making and you design everything around that. So that's what you hold it uncompromisingly. You you promote it um, at your meetings. You promote it with what you do, with your words, with what you study. When you sit down to study things, you have growth in mind. But let's go back to the scenario uh, we but well, we talk about the existing small groups. Mm-hmm. So, so think about they already have a small group culture, which is not so centered in disciple making. Yeah. Uh, do you think? I mean, the leaders will feel a little bit embarrassed to recast the, like kind of a new vision. How how do you deal with that? Yeah. So I think, and that's another reason why I think it's so important. Sometimes you have to pick a special moment or a certain moment to do it, and sometimes you just bring it up that hey. You know, uh, you know, I like what we're doing, but I think we need to be more focused. You know, and sometimes at, in college it was 
easier because it was a new semester. So like what we need to let's sit down and talk about this next year, this next semester. Let's yeah, let's yeah. reevaluate. So like having a moment like that and just kind of saying like, hey, we need to reevaluate, you know, like, you know, just pointing out where the group's been going and where you're at may give you the chance to say, hey, let's let's all sit down and let's discuss this. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, like the amazing thing that I, that I saw and that I think you'll see when you do it is you'll see most people agree with the Great Commission. Most people agree that the Great Commission says what it says. You know, mm-hmm. most people will begin to see like, yeah, this should be the goal. This is what Jesus is calling. And most people kind of know that. So they're willing to say, yes, this is this is where we need to go. Now, they might fall off later. They might not like the process of actually pursuing it and those things. They may not know what they're committing to as fully whenever they say it, because a lot of times people don't think it all the way through. They just connect that, that first step. But establishing that is so important. Um, but some of the other things that, that come into this building a vision, especially for disciple making, is it really needs to be time spent with the leaders discussing what is the picture of a disciple. And there's some um, studies that um, for the Navigator's Church Ministry has designed that help to draw out, to go to all the verses where a disciple is talked about in Scripture, about what a Christian should do is talked about in Scripture, and help people to have a grounds for discussing this and mm-hmm. begin to bring those things out. Okay, what is a disciple? A disciple is all these things, you know, 1 through 15 or as you're writing it out and you're trying to summarize those points, however many points you have, mm-hmm. then developing a pathway and mm-hmm. agreeing on so that's it. That's after the vision. You need to be specific. And yeah. You need to have plans actually. And really, it's all yeah. It's all kind of really vision casting. But this is going to take several times of meeting with people. So like you, you need to the general. There's a general vision of making disciples, and there's okay, well, what is a disciple? And that's another thing. And then developing a pathway. You know, okay, what does it take? Where do we need to get people? You know, do people, based on what we're seeing about a disciple, that a disciple should be abiding in the Word? What does that mean? Should we be trying to get people to have a regular, like a daily time in the Word? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. Real practical, measurable steps going to that pathway. Mm -hmm. But if you want to hear more about pathway, we talked about it in one of the earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, we'll get into more uh, detail pages. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like different things need to, to shift. Like, uh, you know, the, the leader will really begin to know that, um, the leader will really begin to invest more time because it's um, not just the group level. It would be mixed with the individual level, one-on-one, one-on-two, and then the group level. So it's it's different, and, and then the um the responsibility or the role, uh, your understanding about your role really change because mm-hmm. you become a spiritual parent, and and that means like your goal is to bring up the person, uh, the whole person mm-hmm. to maturity in front of in in front of God. So or, or basically we we say it's like you begin to see this person. Okay, what else this person need to grow? And then how I come alongside, um, and and is to compare to Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big is the gap, and how they can each year pass by shorten the gap. You know, it's it's it's. I mean, it's um revolutionary uh, shift, but mm-hmm. it starts from small, of course. Uh, otherwise, we 
both of us are not super smart people. I mean, we wouldn't survive. So it really starts small and step by step. And mm-hmm. and and Jesus says the most important thing for for the servants are faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So uh, is it the last part? Mm-hmm. Um. So let's talk about uh, selection. So selection means like um. If you want to make a group into disciple-making group, then the group is not a open, uh, welcome everybody group anymore. Actually, the group has some certain standards. In a way, of course, we hope everybody is so passionate about God, so ready to be discipled, and so ready to make disciples.、Mm-hmm. But then, oftentimes, the fact is not like that. And Jesus, in his ministry, he knows that really well. And、uh, so we want to look at his ministry.、Uh, so what what are the traits? Was Jesus looking for in a disciple, and how he、um, did the selection?、Mm. Because the Bible says God's eyes are all over the world. He looks at everybody, and also he sees the heart.、Uh, like First Samuel sixteen seven,、mm. uh, when when actually God sent Samuel. The prophet Samuel to、uh, anoint the future king, which is David. They, I think David was the shortest, right? Youngest, the shortest. Verse、mm. 16:7 says, "But the Lord said to Samuel, 'Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature,、mm. because I have rejected him.'" For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart.、Mm. And also,、uh, Psalm fifty-one seventeen, David says, "The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise." So God is looking for、um, a broken spirit. What is a broken spirit? A broken spirit is like to see, like, hey God, I'm really, I'm a sinner. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be able to up to your standard. Help me, help me to grow, change me,、um, take me, you know, and fix me. It's、mm-hmm. it's like that. So you have an open heart for God to work in your life, and you want to cooperate. With God to make you into a beautiful work, a, a master work in His hands. You know that's the person God is looking for.、Mm. So、uh, in First Samuel,、um, God said, "So, so pay attention. That that is the God,、uh, the real word. I mean, the real word God ever spoke to someone to say like、um, your statue, your look, your your social status, all those things." Don't matter. I、mm. only look at your heart.、Mm. Is this does this person care about God? Does this person have true passion?、Uh, it reminds me of the story of um、uh, Jacob and Esau.、Mm. So God likes Jacob more. Why? I mean.、Uh, Many people would just pay attention. Would would、uh, you know pay attention to? Oh, he's a pretty、uh, what's the word?、Um, mischievous,、mm. uh, right? He plays tricks. He what? Devious. De- devious.、Mm. Okay, so it's just like he、um, he deceives people, right?、Mm. Deceive、um, 
his uncle and his brother and even uh, his old uh, father. So, you know, but then it's not like a goddess uh, doesn't care about the moral standards. But then here, uh, it try to, the story tries to emphasize that God looks at someone's heart compared to Esau, that even though maybe he, maybe he didn't lie, it didn't deceive or try to grab God's blessing as Jacob, but then it shows Jacob's heart that he too much want God's blessing. He he even he used his own way. That's wrong. But God sees he cares. And also Paul, uh, I mean uh, Apostle Paul, that he before he persecuted church. Why he persecuted church and um, uh, tried to kill those Christians is because he really, really cared about God's law. He loves God. But then he got the wrong information, so he loves God in the wrong way. That's why when, when Jesus showed to him, he can have such a you know, quick and big um, uh, convert. You know, and he immediately become passionate about disciple making. That's those are just um, great stories in Bible to show us that even though we we didn't find a, a whole checklist of what God is looking for, but isn't that those stories make um, make it clear what God is looking looking for a heart for Him? One acronym that's used sometimes is uh, FAT, which is faithful, available, and teachable. And that's something that is a it was a summary kind of early in the Navigators they came up with for how to kind of look for people that would be good candidates for discipling and who might who really have a heart for growing. Are they faithful? You know, can they meet appointments? Can they um do they continually want to come or they, they uh do they have a desire, you mm-hmm. know, available? Do they make themselves available to learn? Teachable, do they learn from the things that you're teaching them when they hear mm-hmm. things? Are they taking it on into their own life? And so fat became kind of a way of mm-hmm. of looking at people and judging, hey is this person going to grow? Is this person worth investing my time in? In the sense, are they really going to become a producer mm-hmm. you know, for the kingdom? Yeah, yeah. So faithful is like someone's heart for God. Someone really loves God. And available is a time issue. Like, mm. because, because someone can say, I, I love, love, really love God. But mm. what can you, what reflect that? It's mm. from your time. How much time you're willing to invest mm. and then uh, teachable is like uh, you, you get you get those teachings and do you apply those things to your life and mm. and also willing to, to be taught mm. um, on God's principle and God, God's word and the holy life so um, uh, so I, I guess there are other acronyms but this is the one we're familiar with and quite biblical because it summarizes what we just uh, sharing about those um, uh, principles. So one uh, was that one one challenge here, one temptation here, let's say, is um, I think what I observed from church leaders is they are very much tempted to want to pick up those people who attend the activity they create regularly. People are interested in, in activities those church leaders start, but among them, some of them might not have that passion for God. So if if you pick, if you eyes mainly focus on on those people, uh, you know we we think about uh, 
well, think about it this way. Like the traits you look at when you select people to disciple, are those are the same traits God is looking for? Because it is God who work with us to disciple people, to mm-hmm. grow people. Mm-hmm. So the main thing, really, what we see, if we just see one trait, is whether that person desire God, and that shows in uh, whether that shows in their action. So God, I I might find someone to disciple, even that person hasn't. Attend, hasn't attended church regularly yet, but then if I see that person really, really interested in God's thing, you know, um, uh, just an exaggerating example, um, it's better than someone who attends church in a religious system, super religious, but then already pretty numb about God's thing and God's word. When you share with those God's word with them, um, they would go back and still do all those routine things, just like Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Well, a, a challenging question is, so there are some, oftentimes people have some objections about uh, selection is, is selection against the mercy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think that can be a common question people can have. They feel like you're not being very merciful, you're not loving everyone. But I think we have to think about uh, one is that we need to look at Jesus as the real model for what mercy is. So um, you wouldn't say no one who's listening to this would say Jesus is not merciful. And because we know Jesus is merciful. If no one else in the world has ever been merciful, Jesus Christ was merciful. But then Jesus selected people. He selected some out of others. And so we asked the question, why did he do that? Um, how was he being merciful in doing that? And the fact is that Jesus was on a specific mission, the same mission that he calls us to. And so that mission is really to reach the world with the truth. That mission is really to to help others to really know God deeply. That's the thing. Like knowing God deeply is the thing. And so um, that part of being selective is really finding those people who you can really help to know God deeply. The second point is really when you're helping those people to know God deeply, the thing is the message and knowing God deeply will transform a person to begin to be able to help others. So if you focus all your time into someone who really isn't able, isn't going to grow too much in knowing God deeply and they're not able to really help others later on, it's not really being merciful. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like you wasting. Yeah, it's the opposite. It's wasting time and energy from God given to you as a gift. Mm-hmm. On on something that's that's really not going to be productive. It's not going to help others, and that's not merciful. Mm-hmm. And allow me to ask one more difficult question. Um, so someone would think selection gives credit to human merit. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think this one is especially popular in more like reformed environments. People come from a more reformed background. They'll say, well, you're by you saying that there are factors worth selecting in people um, or there are things worth selecting in people, you're taking away from God's sovereignty, from his greatness by um, giving credit to some kind of human merit, something selectable about people. And I would say, again, I mean, one thing that I always go back to is always we need to go back to Scripture, go back to Jesus. You know, Jesus spent all night praying and he selected a few um, out of out of the many, like it, you, you see this pattern again and again of God's selection throughout scripture. 
Um, and so, like, one, it's biblical. That's probably the main thing, that it's, it's clearly a, a biblical standard that God selects. And then also, it doesn't take away from God's sovereignty because really it's, it's God's plan, you know, to select a few, to build them up and, and to build the, the kingdom that way. So it's God is the one who planned it all out. God is the one who planned out um, how this kingdom would be built up. So it's not in that way. I think it's it's not really taking away from his sovereignty because it is God's greatness. It's God's mm-hmm. greatness and his planning that um, that he would that this piece of the plan and in, in selection it really just displays his greatness. And, and a lot of those merits in and of themselves are not always good things. Like Paul's zeal, um, it caused him to kill Christians. But it was also a reason for selecting him because he he was able to learn. He had a desire to, like, and said, no, God. And so those things made him selectable where he was able to grow, where that you could spot those things. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it really takes away from God's greatness, mm-hmm. his greatness and salvation and those things. It's just a, a fact, a biblical mm. fact. And one argument I can think of is um, we we are made in God's image. If we reduce human merit, hu- human any human trait into zero, then mm. what does that do to God's image? Yeah. That's, so I think yeah. uh, this is what we want to talk about today. Uh, we we hope um, this episode offer you some of uh, the hope to transform an existing small group into disciple making community um that uh we we we're with you our prayer our prayers are with you and actually um god is raising up many laborers actually in different cities in different countries to 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 bear this difficult work together and also throughout history so we mm-hmm. hope that your hearts can be encouraged and your your passion can be uh raised up and mm-hmm. that's the purpose of this episode and um, let's maybe let's take some time to um, pray for the especially the small group leaders who are listening to our uh, podcast. Mm. Father, thank you so much for this time we spent together. And Lord, um, I just pray that you would really help those who are considering have, have a heart now for building disciples where they're at. Lord, we'd help those who haven't been discipled to be able to find a mentor, someone who is able to disciple them lord i pray that they would know the resources that they can look to that they would see examples in the church and things like that who can help build them up lord and even they can reach out to the navigator's website and find someone Mm. if necessary but lord that they would have someone to help them to begin to grow up systematically so that they can help others in that way lord i pray that you would um, bless them to have a heart for the vision that you had lord i pray that you would conform their heart and our hearts really more and more to be like yours, Lord, because that is growth. Um, that's the thing Paul was saying that he had never, he hadn't yet attained to completely, not perfectly, but having your heart, knowing you. So, Lord, help us uh, all to know you more, to have your vision as our vision. Lord, help us to give up our other visions, our other cisterns, and drink from your cistern, drink from your mm-hmm. good water. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord, and I just pray that you would help us to really um, look at your truth unflinchingly, too. 
um, because you are perfect, Lord, and we are not. Help us not to bring judgment from our culture or judgment from what we think is kind or nice or all those things and try to um, apply them to you. Try to take away from the way that you were really kind, you were really good, you were really loving, and try to um, say that our cultural standards are higher which they're not, Lord. You are the example of love. You are the example of truth. And you are our only hope, Lord Jesus, um, for our salvation and for our sanctification. And Lord, we thank you for these things and just pray that you would be with us, be with us in this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as usual, comment down below and we will reply and subscribe us. Mm -hmm.